sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two on this Thursday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. A Thursday live right here on TMA, a game day. Live right here to start the 2023 football season. The first football game of the year. The Hall of Fame game tonight in Canton, Ohio. Between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. The Jets booked as a point and a half favorite. The total minimal, 33 and a hook. We'll have a final preview of the Hall of Fame game later on in this second hour. A ton of Major League Baseball conversation following the trade deadline now that everything is set for the home stretch of this year. Just about 50 games left around the bigs and a check-in on the hardwood with our coach, James Young. Why not? We are also done with group play matches at the 2023 Women's World Cup. And for the second straight day, the second straight morning for us here stateside, stunners and shockers at the Women's World Cup. Germany sent home after an unlikely draw against South Korea, South Korea, excuse me, and Morocco, that's what I was trying to say, pulls off a huge upset victory over Colombia. So Morocco in their first ever World Cup, courtesy of the win, qualifies. For the knockout round. That is how crazy things were at the World Cup this morning. It's the first time the Germans haven't reached the round of 16 in their Women's World Cup history. They were a minus 20,000 favorite to qualify to the round of 16 before the tournament got underway. So we're going to take you through piece by piece, group by group, who has reached the knockout round at the 2023 Women's World Cup. We start at the top, group a, Switzerland wins the group. They were minus 165 to advance prior to it. The Norwegians, despite the upset in their opening match against New Zealand, somehow survive. They were the favorites to win the group. They don't. They finish in second, but you see there a hefty price, minus 1,900 to advance into the knockout round. One of the other host nations, the Australians, minus 1,450. They're on to the knockout stage the winners of group b nigeria unlikely but they get there as well a monumental moment for the nigerian side in the women's world cup australia was a minus 185 favorite to win the group and they do now to group c japan probably the most dominant team we saw throughout the women's world cup group play stage three victories three matches in 11 goal differential plus 11 Japan was not the favorite to win the group. It was Spain, but the Spaniards advance as well. They got stopped, though, by the Japanese. A 4-0 victory for Japan in their final group play action. So Spain and Japan advance out of Group C. In Group D, England, the other most dominant side, minus 20,000 to advance. They win the group victorious in all three of their group play matches as well. The English booked as a minus 850 favorite to win Group D before the tournament got underway. England now booked as the favorite in front of the United States women's national team to win the 2023 Women's World Cup. Why? The U.S.'s draw has become so much more difficult. They narrowly advance to the knockout stage courtesy of the right post. 
in their final match against the Portuguese. So the United States do not win Group E. The Dutch do. The Netherlands, a huge 7-0 victory over Vietnam, wins them Group E. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, hour number two of a Thursday Live on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So again, the storyline so far in the Women's World Cup, the United States failing to win Group E, but they do advance. They were a minus 7,000 favorite to do that pre-tournament, but they were a greater than $3 favorite to win the group before the tournament got underway in Group E. Instead, it's the Dutch, the Netherlands, able to pull that off. France rallies in its final two matches in Group F play. They advance. Jamaica, earning a draw against the Brazilians, sends Marta in Brazil home. Jamaica on to the knockout stage out of Group F. They were plus 600 to do that before the tournament got underway. And then some more surprises in Group G and in the final group play action today in Group H. Sweden, who the United States will play, wins the group. They win all three of their matches. Sweden, the number third ranked team in the FIFA World Rankings. Minus 6,000 to advance, minus 370 to win the group. South Africa, a stout defense for the South Africans, plus 850 to advance. They do so out of Group G. Colombia and Morocco, again, a stunner today as Germany earns a draw against South Korea. And because Morocco pulls off the upset to pull off a victory over the Colombians, the Moroccans are on to knockout stage action. So here's where things stand for the United States women's national team. Sunday, 5 a.m. Eastern time, the round of 16 match against Sweden. The U.S. ranked number one in the world. The Swedes, number two. Three, a much harder draw now for Team USA than was expected as the Americans were a greater than $3 favorite to win Group E. Team USA still a favorite to knock off Sweden, minus 178. Of course, now it draws into overtime and penalty kicks if that needs to be the case in the round of 16. Other notable knockout round matches the english draw nigeria england a heavy favorite and the favorites overall to win the group the host nation australia gets the danish side in denmark they're a big favorite the netherlands a big favorite over south africa spain a pretty hefty favorite against the swiss more on the morning after to the hardwood we go up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back to a thursday live right here on the morning after on sports grid anytime we can have our coach jy james young on the show we do and jy it's getting a little quiet around these summer months in the offseason of the association. I was told Damian Lillard and James Harden would both be dealt this offseason, and yet Dame remains in the Pacific Northwest, and James Harden is still in the city of brotherly love. So, JY, we need your insight here, your scouting report in the offseason, and a little bit in-season for the WNBA here on this Thursday on TMA. Big 10, Ben, and it's, it's August. So it's Big 10, Big 12, Big 14, Big 18. I don't know to keep expanding, but either way, it's great to be on with you. We do have some stuff to discuss. JY, there's been a little bit of murmurs around the Damian Lillard trade situation, of course, between Portland and 
only Miami. According to our guy, Sham Sharania of FanDuel TV, here was the latest reported package offered to Portland that would involve a three-way deal. Three to four first-round picks, multiple pick swaps, a couple of second-rounders as well. Tyler Hero from Miami to a third team involved, expiring contrast, young players currently in the NBA. JY, you look at that. Looks like a king's ransom. Can it get better for the Portland Trailblazers? They're hoping it is. But if I'm Miami, until it's another suitor, Ben, I'm going to stand pat. And the longer that Portland does this, the more it may say, I'm going to take away some of the package. So when you look at it, you know, and, and if you're a team like Portland, the, the three to four first round picks, you want those late in the 20, like 27, 28, whatever. When you think Miami's going to be down and those picks are going to be good. Obviously, you want those picks to be protected. Pick swaps help as well. But I also think the thing you have to look at is the young players. One player to look at, Hami Hakez, the star guard out mm. of UCLA, who we talked about and loved at draft night with the first run higher than expected. Looked pretty good in summer league. There's rumors that Portland yep. likes him more than like a guy like Nikola Jovic. Not Nikola Jokic, Jovic. Make sure. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah. So we do think that this will be done. To me, this is about Portland hoping and wishing that the memo set out by the last week would now create interest. But the amazing thing, Ben, is since that memo, not one other team have you heard about trading for Damian Lillard. Portland stuck. They're going to have to make a deal. CJY, that's my thought as well. If it's not that trade package, if there's not a lot of rumored interest sparking up right now, then what does Portland want? Because it seems as though they want to trade Dame and get something back for him. ESPN's Brian Windhorst saying what JY and what old K-Dubs Kevin Walsh have said all NBA offseason. Miami remains the only team interested in trading for Damian Lillard as Dame has made it his intention very clear that he only wants to play in South Beach. JY, it's what you've been saying all along. Well, you, you know, every once in a while, JY gets it right, you know, so I got it right this time. But here's the thing, and it, here's what it's come down to, Ben. I think people want to, I want people to understand something. The biggest issue with the whole thing with Dame Lillard and the reason why there isn't more interest it's the 60 plus million dollars he has owed at age 35 and age 36 of the deal. The back end is where it becomes a problem. And that's why you don't want to have teams throwing a king's ransom. And I do think that it will get done. I just think it's going to drag on. Now, Dame said is he will report to training camp. Let me tell you something, Portland. How fun would that damn circus if he's got to show up for training camp? And he's still there. And Scoot's there. Yeah. And Simons is there. And Shaden Sharp is there. And Nurkic is there. Nurkic? Yeah, he's still on the team. And Jeremy Grant. By the way, Portland, me and Ben got after you last week. Did y'all change your damn graphic and put at least Scoot in the graphic? Because we thought that was a little funny business, right, Ben? A little funny business. Yep. I thought so as well, JY. So we wait to see what happens. And I think... As we get closer and closer to when training camp begins in the association, we're not all that far away from when games start in the mid portion of October. Our mock odds makers back in the lab, JY, the start of next season. Where is Damian Lillard playing? Right now, the Heat still booked as the favorite, minus 120. The Blazers, the incumbent, 
even money plus 100 for Dame time to be on any other team around the NBA, plus 175. So, JY, just tell us, will Damian Lillard play for Miami at the start of the next NBA season? If we're talking start as in the first regular season game, I think he's in Miami. I don't think that this is going to carry on. If this carries on into training camp, good luck. And good luck to those young kids that are trying to make a name for themselves for Portland. Good luck to a kid like a Tyler Hero, who's been rumored to be part of his trade for months. Good luck to a Hami Hawkins. Good luck to everybody involved. If this gets to training camp, I think push comes to shove and this gets done. And at the end of the day, Ben, I wonder if there's no other interest, maybe the NBA may look at Portland and just say, there's nothing we can do. There's no tampering. He's going to show up. Best for everybody. Yeah. Trade him and get it over with. So, JY, as we go around the NBA, some news this week. Anthony Edwards, Ant, changing his number from one back to five. I believe that's the number he wore during his only year in Athens playing mm-hmm. for the Georgia Bulldogs. And we've seen the growth in Anthony Edwards. You look at the stats in his three years now in the NBA since his rookie campaign in 2021. JY, from your coaching perspective, where has Ant's game grown the most? Honestly, what I saw really, Ben, in the playoffs, his defensive intensity. That's something that I thought was missing out of Ann Edwards, and it's something that kind of takes place. I think that is the evolution of him defensively. Offensively, it's his mid-range game. Why has the mid-range game become more important? Because now with Cat at the power forward and Rudy Gobert in the dunk spot at the five, people are going to load up on the lane. So that's a spot where he has to get into his jump shot. And if you look at his team total, 44 and a half, I think this team goes over. If you think about it, last year it was Sacramento. Year before that is Memphis. There's always a team out west that takes that jump, that young team that takes a leap. I'm going to say it, folks. I think by the end of this year, you will be talking about Anthony Edwards being a top 10 player in the NBA. And if they have a huge season, sneaky pick. Odds are really nice. Maybe an MVP. JY, it would be really interesting to see what that all means for the Timberwolves. What is the ceiling for this Minnesota team? Of course, the eighth seed out west. Last year, they lost in five games. A gentleman sweep at the hand of the champion Denver Nuggets. Now to the W. JY, tonight might be history in the WNBA. 41-year-old Diana Taurasi, one of the legends of this sport, is 18 points shy of scoring 10,000 in her career. She already holds the WNBA record for the most points scored all time by more than 2,400. Her Mercury team is at home tonight, JY, as a seven and a half point underdog against the Atlanta Dream. And FanDuel is giving you some options of the method of basket for Tarasi to score that record setting 10,000th point. JY, they play the Dream tonight. Does it happen? Will Diana Tarasi make it to 10? thousand career points it will and i will say this diana tarasi you could say is the greatest basketball player in the history of the WNBA. lisa leslie's on that mount rushmore you can look at maya mm. moore short career not that mount rushmore cynthia cooper sue bird tamika catchings but let me tell you something i like her to hit a three but here's the thing folks i'm gonna say this she may not be done after this year 
They could bring back next year. Skyler Diggins Smith on maternity leave will come back. I think Tarazi gets it one more year and she gets to send off as being the greatest women's basketball player in the WNBA. She already holds so many WNBA records, most made field goals all time, most made threes all time. Now looking for 10K points tonight against Atlanta. JY, a fadeaway to the break. Major League Baseball, our focus next. I'm 46 and I got sciatica. (laughs) SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Daily Base. Live right here on this Thursday on the morning after the day after the day following deadline day in MLB. Rosters now set for the stretch run of this Major League Baseball season. And a man joining us here on this Thursday on the morning after is Craig Mish. He's a man that knows baseball very well. He's a man that played a little baseball or maybe softball in the Marlins media softball game yesterday down there in Miami as well. Craig, two for three at the dish. You said the defense could have used a little work flashing the leather. The blue team going down against the red. But how did yep. it look yesterday out on the softball diamond in Miami? That was the first. Well, actually, was that was the first time I have played in, in a game there. They, they had a event a couple of years ago where they let the little leaguers play on the field. And my son participated in that. But for me, that was the first time that I'd actually ever played in that game. They had a game about seven years ago. I think I was working. I don't really recall exactly what happened, why I couldn't play in it. But, yes, that was the deal. Uh, you know, two for three, very respectable. I don't know that anybody got more hits yeah. on our team than me, so that was good. Defensively, it's like the ball is coming, and I know what to do, but the body doesn't respond as fast as you think it's going to, and so that was the dynamic there. We probably were minus 120 going into that game, and we got pummeled, so – if you took the other side, good job, Ben, uh, by you and everybody else. But uh, it, was, it was a good experience to get back out there. And, and may I add, by the way, because this is very Please. important, and we just mentioned it before the break for people who are not watching, is that when you are 50 years old and you can go out and compete against kids who are 25 and 30 and not embarrass yourself, I think that's a win. To me, that's a win. So I feel very good about the outcome there. My body, not so much. Yeah, how does the body feel today, Craig? It's okay. I'm I'm gonna need. I'm I'm probably like on the day to day here. You know, the good thing okay. is is that every day before I come on with you, I'm on the treadmill. So good. I'm I'm you know the lower half is gonna be okay always with me. Although we did have, yeah. uh, I, I think we had one serious semi serious injury yesterday. Somebody did pull something Uh-oh. and had to leave the game on our team. I think that may have hurt us. Another guy had a Zoom call. He missed like three innings. That's beside the point. But yeah, I, the lower half's always going to be okay, but it's like the upper half is not used to the same, uh, you know, physicality, I would guess, and, you know, swinging the bat as much. And, you know, I catch the baseball, you know, on, on the practice field a lot, but this was a little bit different. So uh, lower half ready to go again, back on the treadmill again today. Upper yeah. half may need a day. Listen, a big day for the Miami media on the field there at Lone Depot. A big day for the fish following a 9-8 victory in 12 innings in extras. Craig, you said it was maybe one of the craziest games you've seen in recent memory for the Miami Marlins. They were down five, 
following the top half of the sixth, they rally, yeah. they force extras, seven combined runs scored between the Phils and the Marlins in extra innings, and a wonderful debut for the two new acquisitions for Miami at the deadline. Josh Bell, a home run, four of five at the dish, a couple of RBIs. Jake Berger, two for four at the plate as well. So, Craig, what Miami did at the deadline, what did you make of the moves the Marlins made? I think they got better for this year. That's that's unequivocal. I, I personally think that may be Josh Bell's best game as a Marlin the rest of the season. That's going to be really hard to top. They traded Garrett Cooper, who I feel is at the very least the same player, if not a little bit better. But in that one game performance, there's no question Bell came through for them and they don't win that game without that Bell performance. As far as Jake Berger is concerned, uh, that's a massive upgrade over Gene Segura there, no doubt about it. But I would say before we get into all the trades, you know, Ben, there's two sides yeah. to these stories, too. And the other side to this, Ben, which is really one of, to me, the bigger baseball stories of the season, a shocking uh, overall season performance from Trey Turner on Philadelphia. I, I, I cannot believe some of the things that I am seeing and watching out of one of the most reliable elite players yeah. in Major League Baseball, swings and misses that are not close, defensive miscues, errors that uh, that that just are unheard of and boy there, there's you know you know columnists today writing about this and and talking about him how he was there i guess last night till 12 o'clock at night you know on the you know hitting again <laughs> i mean th th maybe i don't know what to make of this whole thing ben but it's rare that you would see the level of this kind of contract and and the performance that goes along with it this season i i honestly am stunned at, at, at what, what I am seeing there. But you could bring that uh, graphic back up on the trades again. I just wanted to make sure that, that I got that in there. We were, for sure, especially after the World Baseball Classic for Trey Turner and the huge offseason acquisition he was for the Phils. It seemed like it was going to be a great year in the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia is still a wild card spot. Miami back into yeah. a tie for the third and final National League wild card spot against the Brewers. So outside of what the Marlins did at the deadline, Craig, what was your favorite move of deadline day in Major League Baseball? Yeah, look, I, I think that you, you have to look at Houston and you have it right there at the top. I think you have to look at that as when you lose Luis Garcia, I know Orkitty is coming back, but having Framber Valdez and having Verlander, I think those are just huge moves there, huge moves there, no doubt. Uh, also, the guy that you're going to see pitch for Philadelphia today, My, uh, Michael Lorenzen, he was very coveted, yep. clearly, by a lot of teams. Philadelphia ended up getting that done. And, boy, the early dividends for Heimer Candelario with the Cubs. Ben, two weeks ago, we could have sat here on this show. I don't think you and I even mentioned a possibility of them winning the division, getting in the postseason. It was who were they trading, and... And I got to say, I mean, they, they really have been one of the best teams over the last few weeks. Yeah. And that's kind of all that matters at the end of the season is who gets hot at the right time. The Cubs are very hot right now. They're playing great baseball. They're still going to get a bunch of games against Pittsburgh and uh, I think a couple more against St. Louis. So look out. The Cubs on fan graphs, their percentage is almost up to 40% to make the postseason. I mean, this thing was like at 5%, 10% for most of the year. Yeah. Candelario right now, a huge part of an offensive explosion at Wrigley over the past two days. The Cubbies scoring 22 games ago against the Reds. They backed that up with 16 more last night inside the friendly confines. Craig, as you go around Major League Baseball and you look at maybe some of the moves or moves that didn't happen at the trade deadline, which team surprised you most either based on their activity or inactivity on deadline day? 
Yeah, I, I think it's something that we we talk about a lot every year here on Sports Grid, and I talk about with you is what are the Dodgers going to do? That's going to be insane at the deadline. Are they going to get Verlander? Are they going to get a player? Well, that to me is the story. They did not get Eduardo Rodriguez. They had a trade for him that was completed, and that would have you know put him right at the top of that rotation as the number two or the number three. And he ended up staying with Detroit, which is his right. He had L.A. on his no trade, and that's what ended up happening. So to me, yeah. uh, you could look at all those names and Blake Snell and Josh Hader. Look, San Diego is going to fight at this point. They're good enough to do it. They added pieces to the puzzle, so I understand that. But to me, uh, Dodgers still probably right in the mix to win the World Series. But for the first time in a while, they don't get that Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Manny Machado, you yeah. Darvish, Max Scherzer. They just didn't get that at the deadline this year. So we'll see if that ends up hurting them in the end. Elsewhere in Southern California, Shohei Otani, of course, staying put in Anaheim. The Halos are 11-7 and since the All-Star break, but still four games back of an American League wildcard spot. So Otani is there. Craig Mish, what is the outlook for the Angels the rest of this 2023 season? Uphill battle, uphill battle. I think you know Houston got better, the Texas Rangers got better too, and and I just don't see three teams getting in from the West. So they're going to have to, I, I think, outlast somehow either the Astros or the Rangers. And right now on paper, I don't think anybody would say that that would happen. Uh, I, I don't think that. I mean, there's. I don't between Baltimore and Tampa, Ben, I think those two teams are probably getting in too, almost no matter what. So they're going to have to play maybe the best baseball of any team in the American League the rest of the season to get in. It's not impossible. Their schedule isn't the hardest in baseball to do that. Uh, you know, they got to get, they probably have to honestly bring Mike Trout back at a position where he's not 100% to kind of just get him going and get that offense going in the right direction. I really like their effort and I like what they've done. My guess is they don't make it in the end. But that's not to say it's not for a lack of trying. They definitely are. So Shohei Otani is there through the end of 2023. Will that be the end of his stay in Anaheim? He gets the start today for the Angels at home against the Seattle Mariners. Following an outing last Thursday where he threw a complete game one hit. Shutout for Los Angeles. Elsewhere, some of the arms around the bigs, Craig. Justin Verlander, a reunion in Houston. Max Scherzer makes his debut today in Texas. The Rangers also adding Jordan Montgomery. You mentioned Michael Lorenzen. He makes his debut for Philadelphia today. Craig, we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but let's get to your DFS plays for this Thursday slate as well. Where does your eye go for this Thursday slate around Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, Julio Urias last year was in the conversation to win the Cy Young Award. He's been nothing close this year. But, again, we're now at the time of the year, once you get that past that trade deadline and you're sitting in Oakland or you're sitting in Kansas City, Ben, you're like, oh, my gosh, just get us to the end. You're sitting in Colorado, you're like, get us to the end. So we are going hard fade the next couple of months here on those teams. And so we'll take Urias tonight. He's under 9,000, I believe over on FanDuel, so we'll play him uh, this evening. And, Ben, if a guy gets yep. seven hits in a game and he's under uh, 3,000 on FanDuel that next day, I got some advice. Put him in the lineup. He's hot. Candelario, wow, was he on fire under 3,000 tonight. Easy one there. A total of 10 for the Cubs and the Reds. Chicago now only three games back 
of that top spot in the National League Central. The Cubbies are certainly making a run. They have scored 36 combined runs over the last two games against the Reds. Craig Mish, we appreciate your time. We'll see you on Newswire in about 25 minutes' time. Thanks for being here on the morning after. All right, Ben, I'm going to go soak in the tub, and I'll be ready for the show. You will be ready to go after a valiant effort in the softball game yesterday in Miami. More around Major League Baseball up next here on the morning after on SportsGrid. We'll get you set for a big slate around the bigs on this Thursday. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back to a Thursday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens, and on Thursday and Friday last week, I had a few days off. Davis Maddock was here in the hosting role. Davis Maddock joins us here on this Thursday as well. We start with football and then some Major League Baseball picks and plays for you around the diamond today as well. Davis, thank you for filling in. Thank you for being here on this Thursday as well. Hey, happy to do it. Uh, always enjoy checking in on the morning after in the morning. And, um, you know, look, it's it's Christmas, dude. We got real yeah. live NFL action. I mean, I guess real depending on how you you look at it. But, you know, Chris Trevler, Dorian Thompson Robinson, we're gonna, we're gonna see him running around on our screens tonight. I can't wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Wait, which reserves do you want to back tonight? That really is the question. But the motivation is there for the individuals involved in the first football game of the year in 2023, at least for this season. It's the Hall of Fame game tonight in Canton between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. Gang Green booked as a point and a half favorite. Davis, the total is small. It is 33. And a hook. Davis, you're a very smart guy. You go by the numbers at all points. Is there a smart way to handicap an NFL preseason game tonight, the Hall of Fame game in Canton? I mean, in general, I would say these are going to be like low liquidity markets. Like, I don't know. Let's say, let's say you knew a guy who knew a guy who knew Kellen Mond, and Kellen Mond is like, look, we're doing X, Y, and Z. We actually want to win this game. I mean, literally last year, we saw the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. under Josh McDaniel's first game, they really wanted to win, right? So we, we got that. Now, do either one of these teams really want to win? Probably not. But the one insight I can give you is that the Browns backup quarterback and Browns third quarterback jobs are not settled, whereas that is not true with the New York Jets. So I do think yeah. we will see actually a little bit more of Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Kellen Mond being asked, to do some stuff, whereas Chris Trebler and the Jets offense, I actually don't really think we're going to see hardly anything from them. I mean, Trebler will run around a little bit. We might get, right. uh, I mean, maybe we see a little bit of Zon of a Night, Israel Abanacanda, and Travis Dye trying to battle for that last roster spot, assuming that they sign Dalvin Cook as their backup running back, and Michael Carter sort of makes the team just because they spent a fourth-round pick on him. That meaning... I actually would probably take the Browns here because I think Thompson Robinson, I actually kind of like Thompson Robinson. I think he'll stick around Me the too. league for a while sort of as a reserve. So if I was going to back a team on the spread, it would be it would be the Browns because I expect to see something more resembling real football played by them than the Jets. 
David's a pretty good point on DTR. Of course, the rookie quarterback taken on day three of this 2023 NFL draft out of UCLA. There was a thought that entering the Hall of Fame game, it might be Dorian Thompson Robinson getting the start over Kellen Mond. Instead, they go with the veteran now in Mond. But DTR would certainly see a lot of shine as the backup tonight. We're not going to see Deshaun Watson. We're not going to see Aaron Rodgers make his debut in a Jets uniform. But it's football in that is a glorious thing. All right, Davis, now to the diamond. A matchup yesterday in the Bronx, the series finale between the Yankees and the Rays. The Yanks just trying to avoid a sweep. They had lost three straight entering and 14 of the last 21 since July 4th. But Garrett Cole comes in. He delivers a victory for the Yankees, 7-2 over the Rays, who also had a dismal July, a little bit better to start off August. Davis, what do you make of the trends of where these two teams are going now following the deadline in MLB? I mean, the Rays do probably have to be a little bit bummed out, you know, that they had this crazy lead in the division the first two months of the season. They did seem like the best team in the American League, maybe the best team in all of baseball. They've regressed a little bit. I mean, they've had a lot of pitcher injuries. They've had guys in and out of the rotation. Glass now, McClanahan, they've been banged up. For stretches, yeah. they lost Jeffrey Springs early in the season. And the Rays, I mean, they do they do what they always do. They find someone else to come in, pitch way better than you would imagine. They, they get that production. And I think, I mean, in the end, the Rays are just going to kind of be who they are. They're going to beat you with pitching in the playoffs. They don't have, I guess Wander Franco is, Wander Franco's a star, but he's not a superstar. But that's just kind of the way the Rays do it. They beat you with those extra little edges around the margins, whereas the, their main competition in that division, the Orioles, kind of the exact opposite. It's all around star power, and they don't have any pitchers. I mean, there's like no pitcher on the <laughs> roster that you feel that comfortable betting on. Maybe maybe Bradish, I guess, and maybe we see something from, from Jack Flaherty. Like, I was talking to Scotty Farrell yesterday, and maybe this is one of those cases where a team trades for like a talented pitcher who's had a run of bad results, and they – think they can do something with his pitch mix either stopping one pitch I mean that's that's something guys do they just stop throwing pitches that aren't effective or they can teach him how to throw this sweeper that every team in baseball is using other than the Cardinals the Cardinals are not teach that pitch to their guys for whatever reason so maybe they get something out of Flaherty but uh yeah and the Yankees I mean most miserable season ever but they're they're three and a half games back out of the wild card like crazier things have happened and Aaron Judge is now back. He's been there for the last week or so with the Yankees. At least there is some optimism for New York. You mentioned the Orioles, Davis. They still hold a game-and-a-half lead over the Tampa Bay Rays, and yet it's been the Rays booked as the favorites all along. The distinction is narrowing. Tampa is the favorite still with a minus money next to their price, minus 110. The O's, though, plus 110. Davis, what will it take for the odds makers to make Baltimore the favorite? Probably it would be a Rays pitcher injury, honestly. That's the only thing I can think that would really swing it because the Rays, I, I just, it's so hard for me to imagine a Baltimore Orioles team with Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson and Grayson Rodriguez, you know, just pitching every fifth day winning this division. It just, it just seems almost impossible because these guys' skill level compared to the Rays pitchers is, is just it's just so low, you know. I mean, I just, uh, I just think, I just think the Rays and their bullpen too. By the way, I mean the Orioles bullpen is fine, but the Rays bullpen mm -hmm. is like absolutely lights out. I just, I don't know if we see that. Maybe if the Orioles go on some crazy run, like they win like 
nine out of 10 or something like that, then maybe it ends up switching. But I just think the Rays are better. When you look right now at where we stand around Major League Baseball, the day after the day after deadline day, we're going to see some of those newly acquired players making their debut in a new uniform. That's the case for Baltimore today. The Orioles sending out Jack Flaherty, who they acquired from St. Louis in his opener against the Toronto Blue Jays. The fourth and final game of this long set between the two divisional foes. Kevin Gosman gets the start for Toronto. He's been great all year. The second best price to win the American League Cy Young. And the Jays, a pretty hefty home favorite today up in the great white north. Davis, when you look at these two teams from the American League East, two of the five best prices to win the American League pennant, which of the two, Baltimore or Toronto, do you believe in more to contend for the pennant in the American League this year? I mean, definitely, definitely Baltimore. Uh, I mean, I just think I'm taking Baltimore as a money line dog, like every time they're plus 110 yep. or worse. I mean, they're just, they're, their offense is just so good. And they haven't even really got, like some of their guys that they've been counting on haven't really gotten there. Like Colton Kowser hasn't really started to hit. Gunnar Henderson just uh was actually just the media availability like two or three days ago he was like you know i i don't even really feel like i've really gotten going yet he's up there with a 124 ops plus they're still playing jorge mateo every single day who's really good for fantasy because he hits for he hits home runs and steals bases but they they're a little bit better actually when he is not in the lineup like they're just i mean their whole lineup other than mateo is a bunch of guys who are 110 ops plus or better like they're just so they're just so good at hitting. I mean, they they really are, and it it's crazy that Flaherty was the only pitcher they added. I really thought they would maybe be in the market for Jordan Montgomery. Kind of feels like they maybe should have been the team trying to get the Mets to pay the bill for Scherzer or Verlander, but uh, you know that's that's uh, that's the way it goes. Yeah, it is how it goes sometimes. I thought they were going to be more invested into making a blockbuster trade as well at the deadline, but Jack Flaherty makes his debut for Baltimore today. Elsewhere, when you look around the bigs, a debut for Max Scherzer in Texas. They're nearly a $3 favorite at home, are the Rangers, with Mad Max on the bump against the Chicago White Sox, who pretty much sold everybody, not named Dylan Cease, ahead of the deadline. So, Davis, what will we see out of Max Scherzer in his debut as a Ranger today? Well, I think the uh, the interesting thing about betting on Max Scherzer is he is the type of guy who very much lets these situations impact his behavior. He's going to be out there doing the crazy eyes, throwing as hard as he can. Like, and I I love that. I mean, I, like if you're betting on a guy, you want to know that he cares as much about winning the game as you do. Now, I I'm not really in the habit of taking minus two forty. Uh, money line favorites in baseball all that often I mean if, if the way I play these would be to play the run line or to do I mean I think you could do like a same game parlay of like Rangers money line all over on eight strikeouts for Scherzer and under the total of nine or you know Travis Jankowski to score a run or something like that Cam is always making fun of me on uh, on in-game live because I do these same game parlays and I send them like six seven leg same game parlays and he's like you know we that's not really what we do here you know we do these two leg plus 150 same game parlays and i'm like if i'm digging into it i'm getting all the way into it but i i expect scherzer to be pretty strong tonight and it's like a real sweetheart spot for him to make his rangers debut as well 
A 9-4 record this year for Mad Max, a 4.01 ERA. If it finishes above three, it would be just the third time in the last decade Max Scherzer had an ERA for an entire season above that mark of three. Shohei Otani not dealt at the deadline, staying put in Anaheim. He gets the start today for the Halos at home against the Mariners. So Shohei Otani is in Anaheim, and yet the Angels remain four games back of an American League wild card spot. Davis, how important is it for the Angels to take advantage of when Shohei Otani starts a game or just the unicorn himself on the diamond to make that postseason push here now down the stretch? I mean, these are these are super high leverage spots because not only did the Angels, you know, trade away some of their what little meager prospect depth they did have, but they made an even larger wager that they can get into the playoffs after adding these yep. guys, after adding Grichik, after adding Crone, after adding Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, that they can make the playoffs, that they can get there as the first or second wild card. And if they don't, and honestly, maybe even if mm. they do and flame out, Otani is not even going to meet with them. I mean, because yeah. this is a guy who wants to win. The guy's won everything his whole life. Uh, like, imagine being Shohei Otani. You win every, you're eight years old and you're the greatest and you're 20 years old and you're the greatest and you're 25 years old and you're the greatest. And you, when you play with Japan in the World Baseball Classic, you're the greatest. And then you come to the Angels and you're like, oh, this is my, this is my reality. So they better be winning these games because that was, it, it was a huge bet to keep him and almost have the, have the ability to lose him for absolutely nothing if you don't make the playoffs. And Giolito has not been good so far in his two starts for the Angels, giving up 12 earned in those two outings, including nine yesterday as they got smacked by the Braves, 12-5 to in the finale in Atlanta. Another divisional duel in Wrigley where the Cubs offense has been going off through the favorites today against the Reds. The Cubbies only three games back of the Reds for that top spot in the National League Central. Davis Maddock. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday on the morning after. We appreciate the time as always. We round out the show with the best bet up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the SportsGrid network, and that includes the new SportsGrid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app, now available for download at the Apple App Store. Quickly scan the QR code on your screen, and in a matter of moments, you will have all of our insight, all of our information, all of our data, Five-star plays, best bets in your favorite sport, favorite league, with your favorite team in the palm of your hand. It is smarter to be on SportsGrid. I can virtually guarantee there will be a five-star play for the first football game of the 2023 season on the SportsGrid app today. It's the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. It's the first football game day of the year here to kick off the 2023 NFL preseason between the Jets and the Browns. New York, a point and a half favorite. The total, 33 and a half. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NFL preseason best bet. It is time for bye-bye-bye.
Who am I? Just a measly Ben Stevens to laugh in the face of history. Who am I to balk at the idea of seeing a total of 33 and a hook and not take the under? Because that is what we are going to do for the Hall of Fame game tonight in Canton between the Jets and the Browns. Now, last year between the Raiders and the Jags, the game finished with 38 total points over this number of 33 and a half. But in the prior three Hall of Fame games, the total stayed under this one of 33 and a hook. In fact, if you really go back and dive through the trends and the outcomes of the Hall of Fame game, we haven't seen a game have 40 or more points since 20. 13 only twice in the last 11 years have we seen 40 or more points there's not a lot of offense take the under tonight for the hall of fame game the first football game of the 2023 nfl preseason we'll see you tomorrow friday 9 a.m eastern time here on the morning after